0: our little series we have started here at the Vineyard on healing and specifically like being the kind of people who just naturally minister healing to the people that we encounter in our lives and this morning I want to talk about uh, the connection between faith and healing. Uh, we, we can't get away from that but before we do that because there are so many new people in the room I want to take just a moment here and I want to just recap some of the things that we've talked, to, talked about up to this point. Um, one of the things that we started this series off with is we started off with, um, with, uh, with a message just about that it's God's heart to heal. Uh, that sometimes gets glossed over in our everyday encounter of the gospel, in our everyday encounter of, of the church. Uh, we sometimes don't readily pick up the fact that God isn't just uh, wanting to save souls, but He wants to do something way more holistic than that. He wants to touch a person's whole life their whole body, their spirit, their soul, their body. He wants to connect at the deepest levels and he wants to bring full restoration there. And we looked at, uh, we looked at a passage out of Mark 1, and I think it's one of those passages that's really key for, for us, not just here at the vineyard, but really key for us as people in North America. It's really key because we lose part of God's heart. And the part that we lose is this. Everybody here pretty much understands and readily pick up, picks up on the fact that God is a powerful being. There's nothing that He can't do. So no one, for the most part, that has any awareness of who God is or has any, uh, has any dealing with God or has any faith in God, no one has any trouble believing that God is powerful and that He can do anything. But the trouble that we, that we do encounter in our lives is that God would be willing to do anything. And we're like the man who comes to Jesus, the leper, and he comes to Jesus and he falls at his feet and he says, if you'll just speak the word, if you're willing, would you speak the word and make me clean? So he comes to Jesus. He knows that he's able, but he's not completely sure that he's willing. Jesus takes compassion on the man, touches him, a man who's probably not been touched in years because he's lived completely outside of, the, uh, outside of any community and he's only lived with other lepers and he probably hasn't been touched by someone Maybe for years. And Jesus, with compassion, turns to him and says, I'm completely willing to be cleansed. So God has a heart to heal. He doesn't just, he's not just able, but he, he has a heart to heal. And then the second thing that we talked about is, is that in the kingdom of heaven, and uh, when it comes to seeing God's, God's kingdom come to the earth, that happens in a particular way, and it happens through partnership, which is one of the big surprises of my life as a disciple with Jesus. You know, one of the, one of the really great things uh, about the Lord is, is that He cares about people so much that He was willing to send His Son, okay? We all know that, right? We grew up, we've heard the story, we've read it in the book. But one of the profound surprises of my life is the day that I realized, okay, God came from heaven because we had made this huge mess. Okay, that makes sense. I get that. We've screwed it up. We need help. So God comes, and He comes to give us help. And jesus comes and demonstrates power and eventually dies on the cross and wipes out sin all of that sort of i kind of get that because i'm in touch at least with my own need and my own powerlessness at times to change things but the real surprise of my life was that when god came to earth to complete a mission he didn't do any of it alone he chose on purpose not to do any of it alone what is that what am i getting at well jesus lived for 30 years making tables with his dad He made coffee tables, he made inn tables, he made headboards for beds. That's what he did for 30 years. But when Jesus began to take up the work of ministry, the reason that he actually came, he didn't do one single thing alone. He went out and called 12 guys to come alongside him. And it's a powerful word for everybody who's sitting in the room right now. To the extent that heaven is going to come to earth, to the extent that Jesus' model prayer that he taught the disciples on earth as it is in heaven, to the extent that any of that is going to happen, It's going to come through partnership. It's going to come through you and I responding to His word, responding to His call to come and follow Him. And if you start following Him around, then you better watch out because He's going to have you doing things that you never imagined that you were going to do. And so there's an aspect of healing. There's an aspect of God's kingdom breaking into the present, the future coming into the moment right now. There's an aspect of that that is completely and entirely hinged upon you and I being the kind of people who see ourselves inside the story and not outside the story. We continually say yes. We continually say yes. So it's God's desire to partner. And then we spent a week just going over uh, John Wimber's five-step prayer model. Why do, we, why do we have a five-step prayer model? Well, we have a five-step prayer model because it kind of gives, gives us some tracks to run on when we have somebody who's in need in front of us. That way we kind of have a little... We kind of have a little order to, to assemble our thoughts and to be able to take a, a moment and catch the wind of the Holy Spirit, see what He might be doing. We Sometimes sometimes we just need a model to, to be able to effectively serve the person in front of us. And we also want to have a model because we want to make sure that our ministry reflects our values and those values being the kingdom of God. And so this is the, this is the model that John Wimber sort of left with the vineyard. If you don't have... If you haven't written this down or haven't committed it to memory or just haven't done that much ministry i I suggest that you just write it down it's really incredibly simple it's number one when you're praying for someone you probably ought to interview them what is that well it's really simple it's just what would you like jesus to do for you where are you hurting where's the pain what's wrong because it's pretty simple right you probably need to know what you're going to pray for if you're going to be able to do some ministry but we want to go one level deeper than that. We want to begin to ask some diagnostic questions. We want to begin to determine, if at all possible, why the person is in the condition that they're in. So when we begin to ask further questions, we're going to ask them questions, well, how long, how long have you had that condition? Or how long have you been this way? Or how long have you felt that way? Was there anything going on in your life when this, when this, sort, of, when this sort of became a, a reality in your life? And during this time, we're listening with our ears and we're listening with our heart. We're listening to the words that they say. We're also listening to the voice of the Spirit because one of the things, after you pray for people for any length of time at all, one of the things you're going to realize is, is oftentimes what's coming out of their mouth and what's really going on are two completely different things. You know? A lot of times they've had, they, they've had uh, pain in their knee, you know, and sometimes the pain in the knee is because they had a car accident or they got hit in football, and it's completely organic. But sometimes the pain in the knee has nothing to do with an injury it has everything to do with an emotional scar that came upon their heart and manifested through their body. And you might be thinking, emotional scars manifesting in pain, how is that possible? Well, it's entirely possible because people are, if you haven't realized this yet, are in- incredibly complex. You're a complex thing. You're this, in- you're this incredibly complex wad of spirit, soul, and body, and where they divide is nearly indistinguishable. The only thing that can go there is the word of God. And this is a question I like to ask a lot of times is, where does the mind end and the body begin? It's a question that reveals the complexity of a person. Where does your brain stop and your mind begin? So it's entirely possible for an emotional scar, it's entirely possible for the way we think to eventually manifest as pain in our body or another disease. So number one, we want to interview people. Number two, we want to ask diagnostic questions. And then based upon the diagnostic question, based upon what we at least think in that moment is the real root issue, we want to begin to pray. We want to select a prayer. And there are all kinds of prayers. There are, play, there are prayers of just petition. God, would you come and just minister to this person? We're just bringing them to Jesus, you know? It's real simple. You guys do this all the time anyway. God, would you come and touch this person? Sometimes after talking with the person and beginning to get a picture of their story, we may feel like there's... Maybe some demonic intervention, demonic interaction there that we need to, to deal with. And so maybe our prayer will be less, God, would you come and touch this person, and it might be more direct. I just command this Spirit to loose this person right now. And all of this is actually less dramatic than you think. So step three is the prayer selection. Step four is the actual ministry. And then step five is, gosh, we just want to, uh, we want to follow up with the person. We want to follow up. How are you doing? Are you, are you better? Are you all the way better? Partially better? and then give them a little direction. And Jesus did this sort of thing. When, when he healed people, he would often say things like, hey, go and don't sin anymore. You guys remember those points in the Bible? So some little, some little direction at the end to, to ensure that, they are, that they're well cared for beyond the moment that we've just ministered to them. <clears throat> and then um, last week we talked about generational failures and, and generational curses. Because oftentimes what we receive from our parents is more than just DNA. Everybody in the room has received more than just DNA from their parents. You've, re- you've received a spiritual heritage that affects and plays out in lots of dynamic ways in your life. And sometimes when a person comes to us from ministry, sometimes they're coming to us and the issue that's manifesting has roots in generational failure. It has roots in, in, in poor decisions or... Even worse than that, it has roots in sin that mother and father or perhaps grandfather and grandmother were involved in. And that can be really, really difficult. And we need, there needs to be a point where it gets dealt with. And the ministry time is oftentimes a great place for that. Um, and just so I can be clear, because when we start talking about words like curse, that really offends the postmodern mind. Biblically speaking, here's what, here's what judgment and cursing looks like in the Bible. A lot of times we walk around with this idea. We walk around with this concept that, that God is the kind of person who's actively looking for you to make mistakes. His eye is upon you, less because He likes you and receives pleasure just from seeing you do well, but His eye is mostly upon you because He is examining your life to find fault. Most of us, especially in North America, live with this, this program running in our mind. God is looking for my faults. And when He finds faults, He likes to judge them, and He likes to judge them by throwing pianos out of heaven, and when they hit me, He gets pleasure from it. you know. And so when we talk about judgment or when we talk about cursing, that's sort of the vibe that we, that we walk around with. We, we walk around with this notion that God is examining my life all the time. He, he barely sees what I'm doing right. He mostly sees what I'm doing wrong. And when he gets a chance to judge, he kicks a piano out of heaven. When it falls on me and utterly crushes me, he gets a great deal of pleasure from it. But biblically speaking, that's not really the way it works at all. This is kind of how it works. Um, Eric and I like the phrase, it's just built into the matrix. There's an aspect of judgment and curse that's just built into the matrix. What do I mean by that? I mean, it's just built into life. It's really natural. God is the best person in the universe. He is absolute goodness, right? Right? Here's it, and this is how it works. So God is the best person in the universe. He has absolute goodness. And any time any one of us in thought or deed turn away from him, even one degree, we leave absolute goodness. When we leave absolute goodness, what is left? It's really simple, badness. Badness, that's what's left. You leave absolute goodness and you're left with badness. And I do want to point out here that this isn't like fatalism. It isn't as though my grandfather sinned, so I'm automatically cursed by God. It's just because it's built into the matrix. If my grandfather had massive, massive weaknesses in his character and was given to sin, let's say my my grandfather was an absolute rageaholic, and on rare occasions liked to beat up his wife and some of his kids. Okay, that's real. That by the way. That's common, not normal. Okay? That's common, not normal. Normal is for grandfathers to love their wives and their grandchildren. That's normal. But really, really angry grandfather who has is, is got a rage issue, who sometimes explodes on wife and children. Okay, now imagine you're the child who grows up in an environment where grandfather occasionally, or father rather, occasionally explodes in anger, and you've even seen him smack your mother in the face. Everybody following me? See, the judgment and the curse here is built into the matrix. It changes who you are. When you're a child, you don't have, you don't have the faculties it takes to, to assess this situation, and it begins, to, it begins to relate to you a reality that is all too common but absolutely not normal. And the problem is you begin to take it on as normal. So I'm a son. When I get really frustrated, it must be normal for me to smack the people that I'm really frustrated with. I don't have to deal with my anger in healthy, manage- in healthy ways. And pretty soon, I become a son who's a teenager, who's a young man who graduates college and who gets married. And when his wife, who eventually will aggravate him, gets to that point, now he's smacking her. And not only that, but because, but because it was normal as a child, not only that, I, I've seen this in my own father. You know what? I don't, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm going to take it to the next level. You don't even realize it you know our dad hit our mom in the face with an open hand but now we're punching our wife square in the face with a closed hand we're doing real physical damage and something really really bitter is beginning to happen and now we've got a wife who's having to tell lies to cover up for a husband because she's living in shame and now we have daughters who are growing up thinking it's normal to tell you all see the deterioration yeah it's just sort of built into the matrix and so oftentimes, the healing ministry that we have to offer people is an absolute brand new mind about what is normal inside the kingdom. So we need to take them out of what is common to their experience and insert the normalcy of the kingdom. And only God can do that, by the way. Only God can do that. Those are some of the things that we've talked about up to this point. This morning, I want to I deal with... Um, Something a little bit new? I want to talk a little bit this morning about faith and um, healing. Especially since it's one of the things that we're just called to here at the Vineyard. We're called to be people who demonstrate the kingdom, not just who proclaim the kingdom. We're called to be not just messengers, but people who have stuff coming with us. We're we're, we're called to be people who have the goods. And um, because of that, you pretty much can't talk about healing for very long without eventually broaching the subject of of faith. And there's a couple really good reasons for that. Uh, One of the main reasons that we eventually need to talk about faith when we're talking about healing is because it's so clear in the Scriptures. You you can't read, especially the Gospels, without reading encounters where someone comes to Jesus in a desperate spot in their life, and Jesus touches them. And and you all remember, like, Mark chapter 5, the woman with the issue of blood? She comes up, she secretly grabs Jesus. No one in the whole crowd knows what's going on, but Jesus feels power, he feels virtue, leave his body, and he says, well, "Who did that?" and they 're like, "Well Jesus, you're being stupid. there's a crowd of people around here. He goes, "No, no, no, I know I know something I know something happened and he eventually there's this poor woman, and she 's been bleeding for twelve years, and Jesus looks at her and says, "Daughter, hey, go in peace. what? Your faith has healed you so there's this really really common connection and it's not just once but it's it's pretty regular i mean we even read it a dusty read uh, one of the episodes this morning the centurion soldier he had a had a sick servant he wouldn't even let jesus come to his house he says no you just say the word because i know how authority works all you have to do is say the word and the order is put out it will be done jesus is amazed and says that's unbelievable i haven't seen like faith like this in all of israel and there's this connection between faith and healing right and so on one side of on one side of the on one hand a lot of us get really encouraged by this because we can identify with some of the people. And then on the other side, some of us are very discouraged because we live, we live with an acute awareness of our own unbelief and we live with an acute awareness of our own shortcomings at times when it, comes to, when it comes to being able to believe all that God has for us. And sometimes in our most desperate place, we wonder if we have any faith and we wonder if we're disqualifying ourselves. So we pretty much have to bring up healing, healing and faith at some point because it's clear in the New Testament. And then another reason that we need to talk about it at least a little bit this morning is because um, just culturally speaking, those two have been connected for us, but not always in great ways. So if I just say the word faith and I say the word healing in the same sentence, most of us in the room have already done the math and we've already, we've already supplied what? Faith healer, right? Right? You guys ever watch that movie with Steve Martin? Leap of Faith? Right? Anybody seen that movie? It's actually a really great movie. But anytime we begin to talk about healing, or anytime we begin to talk about faith, we, we kind of just do the math. It's a cultural thing. We, we, we think faith healers. We think the movie that Steve Martin was in, or we think some of the people that we've seen on TV at late night, and we, and we think about those guys who are doing this stuff, Right? And it's a bit disconcerting. Afterwards. We'll have Jenny come in and photograph me. But if I could get you, if I could get you to be in front of me like this. Yeah. No, but we've, we've seen things on, on TV, you know. We've seen... We've seen faith healers or we've seen some really amped up guy come and wreak havoc in a church, you know? I'm treading on thin ice here because sometimes I am the amped up guy. <laughs> but it's a bit disconcerting and there's a bit of a disconnect because, because this is what we're thinking. We sometimes think, oh, faith and healing, faith healer, and, and you automatically go, ah, do I have to be like that in order to have the real thing, right? Isn't that what we think? We go, I want to be, it, and so we have these alternate programs running on the hard drive at the same time. We've got the one program that's like, I want to be a person of faith. I want to be a person who, ca- who doesn't just talk about the kingdom, but I want to be a person who brings the kingdom. So we've got that program running, and then we've got this other cultural thing that we've picked up along the way, and it's like, do I have to be like that in order to be the real thing? That's one of the real issues, you know? Do I have to be like that? Do I have to, like, knock people over to be the real thing? Do I have to shout? Do I have to hit them on the head with a microphone? Do I have to punch them, you know? I'm not going to lie. Punching them could be really fun sometimes. So there's a disconnect because it's so unlike real life, right? You're at lunch with someone, you know. I don't know that any of us have ever like flipped the table up over at lunch and like punched someone and screamed, "Be healed in Jesus' name!" You just like you can't even read the gospels and imagine Jesus doing that, right? It's so it's so unlike real life. It's so. It's so showy, it's like, what? What is happening? Did, when did we leave the planet? Yeah, we've been, we've been really negatively conditioned because so many of the guys that had the power ministry were eventually also found out to be absolute frauds, right? You know, we found out that you know one of the guys who had really great power, power ministry was actually just wearing an earpiece. And he had guys who were collecting information beforehand. You know, we've had those stories. Or, you know, maybe less dramatic than that, but just as debilitating, we found out that some of the guys who have the power ministry have character of a... They have no character. I was going to... The edit button just kicked in so hard. It was so good. Bam! That's, that's really a good sign, especially after last week's message. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, so we find out that some of the guys who have the power of ministry have no character. So it seems like they're a total fraud, you know? They can deliver the goods, but when it comes to basic integrity, they're found wanting. And that's really unattractive to us, because you know what? People want more than even... Uh, a, a dramatic power encounter with the Lord through a person, what they really want is they want to be able to trust people while it's happening. That's what they really, really want, you know? They really, really want that. And so integrity matters, and we know that. That's one of those other things that's running on the hard drive. And, and we're just left with, with really unattractive thoughts when it comes to healing a lot of times, especially when it comes to how faith works. And we wonder, do I have to be like that? Uh, do... Does pursuing faith, does pursuing healing, does pursuing power ministry exclude pursuing character and being a person of integrity? You know, the obvious answer is no, but so many of our examples have reinforced that for us. And so what we end up with is we end up with increasingly anointed, powerful people who are increasingly broken. And you might be thinking, what are you talking about? Here's what I'm talking about. The Lord is so incredibly good, and this is one of those things that I'm only half comfortable with, if I'm being really honest. The Lord is so incredibly good that he will take a completely broken person who has the integrity of a zero and he will move powerfully through that person because he loves other people so much. That, that halfway encourages me and halfway bothers me. It encourages me because, because I know for my own life and just like everyone else in here, there are places in me that are yet still deluded and divided and militant against Jesus. And so I'm very encouraged to know that I don't have to have it all together to see him move powerfully and bless people. It's scary as heck to know that you can move in power and have none of the character because Jesus says in Matthew 7, hey, there's going to be dudes who come and they, and they do all this stuff. Heal the sick, prophesy, cast out devils and he's going to say, get out of my face, I don't know you. I'm only half comfortable with that. Not only that, but sometimes faith, sometimes faith or what we talk about when we're talking about faith, um, sometimes it just sounds like magical thinking. You guys know what I'm talking about? Sometimes, Sometimes the whole conversation of faith and the way it plays out in real life just seems like magical thinking. And when it comes to people who are on the outside of belief, when it comes to people who are on the outside of actually knowing God in any real way, I'm sure that it absolutely does look like magical thinking. That's one of those things that God wants to to move on and move over this morning. It can look like magical thinking when we go and actually believe that God wants to touch someone's heart condition. You know? You don't understand I've got I've got the I've got the test. I've got the EK thing whatever that is, and it says I have the heart condition. You know? putting your hands on me, praying for God to intervene. That's just magical thinking. Hey, have you guys ever, uh, have you guys ever, anybody in here ever prayed for their car to get better? You ever, okay, how many of you have prayed for your car to get better and had it get better? Yeah. How many of you have ever told that story to someone else only to see them like totally go totally go stoned you know it's like you were totally fine and now i've told you a story that has had a marijuana effect on our conversation (laughs) do you know what i'm talking about yeah it's that it's that total disconnect of this is insane yeah but i've been there look i i have i have run out of gas this happened to me in chicago i was on my way to meet Mike Ostrander and i ran out of gas which is completely unlike me and I am in the middle of Chicago. It is insane. I, have, I, I am out of gas. I put my hand on the, on the dash. I said, God, you have got to help me. I hit it one more time. I drove for another 15 miles.